Well, God bless you today. We do pray that his favor and his blessing is on your life. Listen, right here, as we get ready to move into the word of God together for a few moments, I just want to speak God's blessing over you today. We are asking the Lord to come and show up in our homes. And I want to rally around that thought in prayer right now with you. Would you just receive this? Father, today, I pray for my friend who's watching right now, whatever it looks like in their home, however loud or distracting it might be, however uh, calm and and, uh, serene it might be. Lord, I pray that you invade that space. God, that you would show up in this time that we have together, that our homes would become your habitation, that Lord, this would be your sanctuary, because your word declares that we are your temple. And so, Lord, I pray right now that your presence would be manifest in this gathering, wherever we're meeting from. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hey, happy Mother's Day. It is an awesome, awesome day. I hope you're celebrating, uh, whether it's in person or through, uh, through distance. Uh, it's a great day. And right now, I want to invite Ginger Yeagle to give a special word to all of our ladies. Ginger runs our women's ministry at the church, and, and I believe God's given her a timely word for all of the ladies. So check this out. Hi ladies, happy Mother's Day. I would love to be able to just give you a big hug right now instead of just talking to you through technology, but that's not quite possible. So I'm thankful for this opportunity that I have to greet you on this special day. And whether you are a birth mother, an adoptive mother, a stepmom, or maybe you're just someone who has had an opportunity to mentor children, you are a mother in every sense of the word and you are important, and you should be loved, honored, respected, and cherished, as well as celebrated today. And I hope you're receiving all of that on this Mother's Day. You know, we've all had to change our ways. The tasks of mothering have changed significantly just in this past um, month or two. And I know that some of you are struggling with that. I know that for the mothers of newborns, it must be very difficult at this time to not have the help of family and friends come in because that's typically what would happen when you have a new baby. So I just pray for you today that you would know that God's with you and he'll tell you what to do. He'll help you through this time. And for the moms of school-age children, it must be so very hard to have become their teacher now, as well as all the other hats you wear. Or as my daughter-in-law has said, she is now the teacher, the nurse, the janitor, and the lunch lady for her four kids. And she's doing a great job. I know that all of you are doing that. I think also of the grandmas, the like me, I'm a nanny of like 12 grandkids and one soon to be born in about a month. So we are struggling as well because we can't see our grandkids like we would like to. And, and that hurts our heart because they are our joy they are our reward in our old age. So I know that all of you are struggling on your own, in your own ways and in your own terms right now, but know this, that God is with you. And he has given me a word for you today. And that word comes from Proverbs, I'm sorry, (laughs) Proverbs 31. The other day, whenever I was thinking about what I might share with you, I picked up my journal and on this journal, it says strength and dignity. And that comes from Proverbs 31:25, where we're told to put on strength and dignity. 
and that then we can laugh at the days ahead. So that we need to know that God has provided everything that we need to get through these times. We put on his strength and his dignity. You know, um, dignity just means the way that you handle something. So I hope and pray that you are handling this well, even though you may have your moments of tears and crying and um, frustration. We've all had it. I know that God's still with you and he will help you get through this time. Just put on his righteousness today, his dignity, his strength, and you will be able to get through it. We can't do this on our own, but you can do it with Christ. Just know today you are loved, you are appreciated, you are cherished. God loves you so very much. He loves his daughters and we're important in the kingdom of God and we are essential in a home. So rejoice today in God your Savior. Know that we will soon all be back together and I'm looking forward to getting with you guys. I'm looking forward to having some more fun times, some outings, as well as studying the Word of God together and becoming all that God's called us to be. Enjoy your day. You are all beautiful women of God and I love you. Well, the church would not be the church without godly women. Thank you so much, Ginger, for that word of encouragement. Uh, you know, I was thinking about a verse of scripture in light of Mother's Day this week, and uh, I was thinking about King David. You know, David was anointed and chosen by God to be the king of Israel. Uh, David obviously won some incredible wars. Uh, Luke records his genealogy in his gospel, and he, he ties uh, David's life back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham was the father of our faith, and even beyond that to Noah, all the way back to Adam. David had some incredible things that he accomplished. He, he's, the song, he's the songwriter, the worship leader of the Bible. He recorded a, a vast majority of the book of Psalms, our prayer and songbook. David had this said about him by God. God said, he is a man after my own heart. Now, I, I say all that as a preface to this thought. When it came to a moment in David's life where he cried out to God for mercy. When it came to a moment in David's life where he needed the Lord to rescue him and to save him, he didn't consider any of those things that I just mentioned. When, when David needed God to rescue him, he, he didn't recall the worship that he wrote or the wars that he won. He didn't even recall his fathers in the faith. In that moment of his life, David remembered the faith of his mother. I want to show you a verse of scripture that is just so powerful on this Mother's Day. It's in Psalm 86, verse 16. And this is what David wrote. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Show your strength in behalf of your servant. Save me because I serve you just as my mother did. Come on, think about that. Now, now, we don't know a whole lot about the faith of David's mother, but you know what? We don't have to because David did. He was so impacted by the faith of his mom that it shaped him. It anchored him in the moment where he's calling out, save me. It was the example of his mother's faith in God that he said, God, you should save me. You should redeem me because I've served you the way that you ought to be served. I've served you the way that my mother did. And so to all the moms today, can I just invert this incredible verse, 
Psalm 86, 16, into a prayer and a blessing for you. My prayer for you is this, that one day, if it hasn't happened already, that your children would call out these words to the Lord, that they would say, Lord, save me because I serve you just as my mother did. Now listen, if you're thankful for your mom's legacy of faith, you ought to find that verse and highlight it in your Bible today. And if you're a mom and you're praying for some sons or daughters who haven't yet established their faith in Christ yet, you ought to highlight that verse too. One day, I believe they're going to say those words, save me, Lord, for I serve you just as my mother did. Now, today, I want to give a word to all of us. So listen, if, if you're not a mom or if you're a guy and you're listening to this, maybe you don't even have kids, I believe God has a word for all of us today. And it's right in Psalm chapter 127. It's the same place we were at last week. We looked at the first couple of verses in Psalm 127. And, and verse 1 and 2 serve as a warning to those who don't welcome Jesus into their home. Psalm uh, 127, 1 and 2 really describe the situation for what it looks like if you don't have the Lord in your house. And, and I want to read it again. It says this, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guard stands watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Just think about what, what he said in these first two verses. Here, here's the Here's the fears that you would feel. He says, number one, the house isn't safe. Why? Because the builders build in vain. He says the city isn't secure. Why? Unless the Lord's guarding the, sa guarding the gate, it's insecure. And thirdly, he said the needs are not supplied. You rise early, you stay up late, and you're toiling for food. You know, when I was meditating on that verse again this week, thinking about safety and security and supplies, I don't know what that sounds like to you, but to me, it sounds like a song that was written for this season. It sounds like David could have penned those words this week, and we could have all sang along. And the reality is this. The psalmist doesn't pull any punches here. He actually validates and qualifies those concerns. He actually says that it's right for you to, to be fearful of your safety, of your security, and of your supplies. And then he qualifies it with three words. The first three words in the psalm, and it's this, unless the Lord. Unless the Lord. And can I just say to you today, friend, that makes all the difference. I mean, unless the Lord helps us. We have every reason to be fearful. Unless the Lord intervenes, we have every reason to worry about our safety, our security, about running out of supplies. I mean, uh, we have a lot of people right now in, in our culture that are living in, in, a, in a place of spiritual and internal panic and fear. And, and the psalmist just says, well, unless the Lord, yeah. You know, it's an echo of what the psalmist says in Psalm 124. In my Bible, it's just a page earlier. and I just want to go there really quick before we jump a little farther in uh, 127. Because in Psalm 124, the psalmist opens with these words. He says, if the Lord had not been on our side. Now you got to understand, a, a worship leader's role is to just give people words and a vocabulary to express their heart and praise to the Lord. And so uh, the psalmist, David, he begins saying, 
if the Lord had not been on our side. And then he stops and he says, you know what? This isn't just a, my testimony. This is for everybody. So he says, let Israel say, and now he wants everybody to say it together. If the Lord had not been on our side, why don't we try it? Why don't you just say it with me? If the Lord had not been on our side. Some of you didn't know I was actually talking to you. You're just staring at your phone. No, say it with me. Come on. If the Lord had not been on our side. And then David begins to lead this moment of, of just looking around, just kind of observing the faithfulness of God. He says, when the people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive when their anger flared against us. If the Lord had not been on our side. He says, the flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away if the Lord had not been on our side. And then in verse six, he says, praise be to the Lord who has not let us be torn by their teeth. In other words, he's saying that would have been our reality unless the Lord had been on our side. And then in verse seven, he gives a testimony. He says, we have escaped like a bird from the fowler snare. The snare has been broken and we have escaped. Now, I just got to stop and say, I love that verse. And the reason I love verse seven so much is because it communicates to us the reality of having the Lord on our side. See, for a lot of us, we would just be content if we could just get out of our problems. We'd just be content if we could just get out of the circumstance that we feel ensnared in. But the reality is we've all known people, and maybe you've been this person, that you got out of a bad situation. You got out of uh, the bondage and the snare of an addictive substance or an abusive relationship only to turn around and get sucked back into it again. But that's not what it means to have the Lord on your side. He says, not only uh, are you escaping like a bird from the fowler's snare, it says the snare has been broken. Can I just encourage you today? That's what it means to have the Lord on your side, that he wants to fight for you, that not only are you going to get freedom, or are you going to get out of the situation you're in, but he's going to break the snare that used to bind you. You don't ever have to go back into that old life anymore. And so he says, this is what it looks like if the Lord is on our side. And then verse eight says, our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And so when we get back to chapter 127 and, and he gets back to this familiar phrase and this familiar thought, we understand that it's unless the Lord builds the house. If the Lord's not in it, it's not going to work. Our safety, our security, our supplies, they're all going to run short. But can I give you the good news today? God is for you. Come on, I got to say that two times. God is for you. And, and Paul the apostle later wrote, if God be for us, who can be against us? In other words, if God is for us, it doesn't matter who's against us. God is for you today. Be encouraged with that thought. And that's the thought that the psalmist is driving home here in Psalm 127, that God is for you, that he's your provider, that he's your protector. And then we get to verse three. And, and it feels like a pivot. So I just want to go there with the psalmist on this Mother's Day. It says in verse 3, Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. 
Now, at, at first glance, it, it feels like this is out of context. I mean, like, how did, how did this all of a sudden become a psalm about children? But in reality, it's consistent with the theme of God's provision and God's protection. And can I just say that one of the greatest way that God has provided for us is the provision that he's made through our children. That, that's true of a family. It's true of a church. It's true of a nation that God has provided children to uh, protect and provide for us. And so verse three, as he's talking about his faithfulness, verse three says, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring, a reward from him, a reward. I, I just wonder, do you see your children the way that God sees them? God says they are a reward. Listen, even if you don't have kids, this verse ought to encourage you. It ought to encourage you to know that this is the way that God sees them. And it should encourage you because this is the way that God sees us. There was a, a Greek poet, Eratus, in about 300 BC, who, who famously wrote these words, in him we live and move and have our being. In Acts chapter 17, the apostle Paul quoted that poet. He's saying, we are his offspring. And you know how God sees offspring? He sees them as a reward. The apostle John wrote these words. He said, how great is the love the father has lavished on us that we should be called the sons and the daughters of God. And that is what we are. So whether you have kids or not, you ought to be excited about the fact that God looks at his children as well as he looks at your children and he says they are a heritage and they are a reward. Now, true confession, parenting during quarantine is hard. Can I get a witness? Come on, somebody say amen in the chat. I mean, parenting is challenging. But I want to just push into that a little bit today and say it can be a good kind of hard if you look at it with the right lens, if you have the right perspective. I've been thinking about that this week, and it almost reminds me of a spring training in baseball season. You know, when the team loads up and they go out of state to invest an extra amount of time in preparation for the season. Or, or like when a, when a football team is getting ready for the fall season and they have two-a-days. And they spend a lot of time. Why do they do that? Because a coach understands that a high level of focus and intentionality for a short period of time is going to have dividends long and deep into the season. That's, that's parenting. That's what parenting is. And that's what this moment affords us right now if we will look at it through the right lens. Now, I got to say, there's a lot of things I don't like about being told to stay home. There's plenty of things that I could complain about, but I also realize in this moment, I am quarantined with my legacy. That, that if I can recognize it for what it is, that I have an incredible opportunity here to invest and to focus in on my family and on the reward and the heritage that God has given me. So the question is, what do we do? What do we do? Well, look with me at the next verse. Verse four says this, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Can I just say to all, all the parents, all, all of the influencers, because we'll go beyond parenthood, all the grandparents, all the aunts and the uncles, all the educators, we have an assignment from God that is going to far extend beyond the coronavirus. And, and this 
verse communicates what it is. I mean, you, you and I know this, this event that we're in, in, in our current uh, reality, it has impacted our lives. But it is yet to be seen the impact that it's going to have on the next generation. And the reality is it's going to impact their lives far more than a global pandemic has impacted ours. But you know what else is yet to be seen? It's yet to be told or seen the, the impact that this time is going to have because of the way that Christians stewarded this opportunity. And, and I do believe it's going to have an impact. I believe there's going to be some great things that come out of this season of our lives where we as the people of God can really focus in and be disciplined in who God has called us to be and for the future that He has for our families. It says that children are like arrows. You know, an arrow is a, is a unique weapon. An arrow is unique because it, it extends beyond what we can reach and, and it, it takes out enemies before they ever get to us. Arrows are powerful. It destroys an enemy that hasn't even gotten to you to harm you yet. But if an arrow is going to be powerful, an arrow has to be drawn. It has to be drawn. And, and you know what happens if you've ever pulled a bow back. When you draw it, there's tension. Come on, how many of you now would say raising children are like arrows? <laughs> there's tension, right? And you felt that before, and I feel it in my home. But the reality is there is tension that happens. And, and though we feel that in our home, it, it's, it, it's important. I mean, your kids, they're pointing in one direction, and you're pulling them in a different direction. But if they're going to go far and fast, and if they're going to hit the mark that God intended for your life, guess what? Tension is necessary. There, ha there has to be that. You know, I, I think one of the most unloving things a parent could do outside of j just short of abuse would be to just let your kids have their way all the time. To just, to just say, I don't want any tension. To say, y'all just do what you want to do. I, 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 don't I don't want to discipline my kids. It's the most unloving thing for a parent to say, you know, I, I just want my kids to like me. Listen, when, when you choose to avoid discipline and tension in your home at all costs, what you're saying is, I love your opinion of me today more than your appreciation of me tomorrow. But if, if your children are like arrows, then you got to draw them back. They're going to want to go sometimes. You can say, no, 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 no. It's not time yet. You don't go there yet. And, and there's tension in that. But the reality is, it's a necessary tension. If the arrow is going to fly, you know, to be effective, an arrow has to be released. And man, isn't that the tough thing about parenting? You know, knowing, knowing when and how soon to release our kids. You release them too quick and, and they're not pointed in the right direction. And, and, and they don't have the discipline yet to get the trajectory into the future that God has for them. And, and, and they can just fall flat. But if you hold on to them too long, then they begin to, to fight and resist, and, and you become fatigued as a parent, and, and they don't go anywhere. You gotta, you gotta have the right tension, but you gotta release them at some point, and you gotta let them fly. It's all part of the process that God has called us into. But the reality is, none of that matters if you don't first aim them. And, and that's why. The other part of this analogy is so important. That children aren't just like arrows. It says that children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. So if children are arrows, parents, you're the warrior. 
You've got to be the warrior. And and like a, a warrior who raises their bow, they do it with purpose. They do it with precision. They do it with intentionality and discipline and accuracy. And it is deadly to the enemy. And the Bible says parents are like warriors. Now, I can just tell you, for me and my family, we, we are intentionally raising our daughters. We're not perfect parents. We don't get it right every day. We probably fail more often than we'd like to admit, but we are raising our daughters to hit the mark of Christ-likeness. We recognize that God has given us something incredibly precious to steward. They won't always be in our hands. There will be a moment of release in their future. And as we approach that moment, we want to make sure that the discipline is there, that the right amount of tension is there, and that their lives are aimed in the direction that God has for them so that when, so that when it's time for them to move into their God-given destiny, they don't fail to launch because there was no discipline. I mean, if you, don't, if you don't want your kids to ever leave, just don't give them any rules. Let them just keep living for free off of you, eating your food, sleeping in your bed. They won't launch anywhere. But with the right amount of tension and the right amount of discipline and aim, by faith, we believe they're going to hit the mark of Christ-likeness in God's plan for their life. Listen, you, you can't make your, your kids love God, and I can't either, and I recognize that. But you know what? You will be held accountable for how you aimed them and how you released them. And your home is the training ground. That's why it's so important that we welcome Jesus into our home. Because your home is the training ground. You know, I was thinking about this earlier this week. You know, Christians since the 60s have been saying, put prayer back in school. Well, you're the teacher now. (laughs) I'm the teacher now. I just wonder how many of us are praying with our kids before school. Just a thought. They're your arrows, mom and dad. They're my arrows. And it's our job to raise them and release them into the purpose and the plan that God has for their life. You know, the the Bible gives us a model for what biblical uh, child rearing looks like. The Bible gives us a model for what it looks like to train our kids. You know what the model is? Time. Time. And and of all the things that we feel like we've lost in 2020, come on, time's the only thing we feel like we have gotten, right? We've gotten time. And and a lot of our teaching, it, it feels like a confrontation. You know, here's the truth, believe it. Here's the boundary, don't cross it. Here's the rules, follow them. But, but that's not the picture of discipleship. You know, Jesus never said this. Jesus never said, come and take my final exam. No, what Jesus said was, come and follow me. In other words, be with me. Let's journey together. Let's do life together. This is going to take a little while. And Jesus' pattern for discipleship is also the biblical pattern for raising our children. And, and we see that pattern in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7 and 9, it says this. This is what process looks like in in raising up our children like arrows in the hands of a warrior. It says, these commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. That's step one. It's got to be in your heart. Verse 7 says, impress them on your children. Talk about How do you impress them on your children? Talk about them when you sit at home. And when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. In other words, 
This is going to take time. It's going to take time in the morning. It's going to take time in the evening. It's going to take time when you're sitting at the table. It's going to take time when you're driving down the road. It's going to take time. You know, our deepest rooted convictions are developed over time. And our, conv- our kids' convictions, they're being formed right now in this season. Let me ask you, let me challenge you. What are you aiming at? What are you aiming at? Are, are, are we setting their mindsets towards fear? conspiracy, mistrust, or or are we guiding our children towards faith? Are we guiding them towards the the God who has a better plan? Yeah, it could have gone bad unless the Lord builds the house. Yeah, if the Lord had not been on our side, all these things could happen, but God is for us. He's not against us. God still has a plan to prosper you and not to harm you. God has a plan to give you a hope and a future. What are you aiming at? See, it's up to us to lead them through this process. They're the arrows. And the time you have with them can be a gift in this season. Listen, I I know it's not the same for every family. I know some of you, you're working long hours. You're working harder than you've ever worked. You're seeing your kids coming and going, and and you wish you had time. I I know not everybody's in the the same place with this. But I want to challenge you to see the opportunity that God has given us to steward the next generation. The Bible says this, the Bible says, he who walks with the wise will become wise. It's important that we let our kids do life with us, that that they're engaged in in our day in and day out, in our life. Just train them. Just spend time with them, however you can, in your coming, in your going. Some people say, man, my kids are driving me crazy. Well, train them until they don't drive you crazy. Train them until you like them again, (laughs) but don't give up. Listen, it's not going to fix my family by Friday. Come on. That's not the way this works. I don't don't have a quick fix for you. What I'm saying is understand that it's a process that God has called you to and what he calls you to, he equips you for. You are a warrior and your children are arrows in your hand. And the good news is that's the way God sees you and I. God sees you. The the Bible says this about the Lord. I don't know if you knew this, but Exodus 15.3 says the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. So the Lord is a mighty warrior, and he wants to take your life. He wants your life to be disciplined by his word and by his commands. He wants to release you into your God-destined future. It's the way he sees you and I. In fact, God gave a word to the prophet Isaiah. He gave him a picture of how he sees us. And I, I just love this picture. It's in Isaiah chapter 49. It says in verse, in verse 1, the word of the Lord, before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. I love that thought. He said, before I was born, the Lord called me. He has spoken my name. And then a little bit farther down in the chapter, it says, He made me into a polished arrow in verse 2. So the Lord had a plan and a purpose. And he said, he made me into a polished arrow. In other words, a special arrow. Uh, Not just just any old arrow. He's he's given me a purpose. And and I've been perfected and, and, and beautified and selected for a special purpose. Now, here's the reality that's going on when God gives Isaiah this word. The people of Israel, they're in exile. They just want to go home. I mean, they're just, just, 
They're basically praying the very opposite of you. <laughs> They're saying, I want to go home. And, and they want to get out of exile. And the Lord speaks to them and he says, listen, I want you to go home. I, I want to answer your prayer. But you need to know this. You're a polished arrow. In other words, down in verse 6, he says these words to him. He says, it is too small of a thing. In other words, what you're asking me is too small. Your purpose is greater than that. I want you to see, I've called you to more. He says this, he says, for I will make, I will also make you a light to the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Listen, God is saying to them, listen, I, I want to answer your prayer. I want you to go home, but I've called you to the nations. You have a purpose that is so much bigger and so much greater. You're a polished arrow. And as I was meditating on that word this week, I got to tell you, I feel like this is a word for the church that God is wanting to res uh, remind us. Yeah, I know you're, you've got some things you want to happen. You want some circumstances that you want to change, but understand in this moment, that's too small a thing for you to ask me. That's what the Lord is saying to the church today. It's too small of a thing for you to ask me. I want to get out of my house. I don't want to stay home. God is saying, I'm sending you to the nations. I am polishing your life. I'm perfecting you because I want to shoot you a lot farther than you're even seeing right now. Right now, churches just like ours are broadcasting the gospel all around the world every weekend. Churches that didn't even have websites before the coronavirus broke out are now broadcasting the word of God. Why? For this reason, because the Lord said in Isaiah 49, 6, I will also make you a light to the nations, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. That's always God's heart. He wants his salvation to reach to the ends of the earth. And he calls you his polished arrow. He wants to perfect you and do a work in your life for his purpose. Now let's look at the last verse here in Psalm 127 quickly. Verse 5 says this, Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Talking about those arrows, our children. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in the court. Some translations say at the gate. Because at the gates were the place where, where they would have the, the court matters settled. He says you're blessed if you have a quiver full. Now, remember, th this verse brings us full circle to the theme. The theme is God is our protector. God is our provider. See, that's just the way it works with our kids. When they're young, we protect them. We provide for them. But in God's plan and providence, when they get older, they're going to provide and protect you. And he says, you're blessed if you have a quiver full. And can I just say what's true for the family is true for the church. It's true for the church that we have another generation coming up underneath us. And what's true for a church and what's true for a family is true for a nation. Our hope is bright because of our children, not because of our ideas. Those things are going to go to the grave with us. It's because of what we invest in the next generation. And he says, recognize the incredible blessing that I've given you, the protection that I've given you, the provision that I've given you. It might not look like they can provide. You might still be wiping food off their face today, but one of these days, they're going to be your source. They're going to be your provision. You're going to lean on them. And he said, you won't be put to shame. I, I was thinking about that verse that Ginger shared earlier in Proverbs 31, talking about a, a noble woman 
And one of the verses in Proverbs 31 says, her children will rise and call her blessed and her works will bring her praise at the city gate, in the courts. Why? She'll be blessed. Her children will call her blessed. She won't be put to shame when she contends at the city gate. I want to just take a moment right now, and I want to pray for all the parents. I I, I hope that that you hear love in my voice today. If if you're stressed out right now, and you're, you're just pulling your hair out, you know, dealing with parenting in this quarantine. I feel you. Listen, I feel you. And and you're not going to fix it by Friday, but know that that God has a plan. God has a plan to work through you in the life of your kids. They're not going to be defined by this, but they will be shaped by it. They're going to be shaped by you and by how you lead them. And I want to pray God's blessing on you right now. And then in just a moment, we're going to take some time. We're all going to pray together. But Father, I ask right now for your favor and your blessing to be on all of the parents that still have children at home. Those those that are feeling like they got to do it all and that there's no escape from it. Those that have already spent a lot of time with their kids and now they're looking at a lot more time in the summer. God, I pray that your grace would be on them. Lord, I pray that you would remind them today through your word that they are mighty warriors, that they are equipped for the assignment. You love your children too much, God, to put them in unqualified hands. And so, Lord, you you chose us as parents, specifically for our kids. And God, I pray that every parent would be reminded today that they are the warriors that you've called them to be, to raise up and to release the next generation into their God-ordained purpose. Now, friends, listen, I don't know where you're at in your relationship with the Lord as you listen to this message today, but I want to say a word of encouragement to you. Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. Unless the Lord stands watch. Those that guard the city guard it in vain, unless the Lord provides. You'll never have enough supply. You'll never have enough resources. It'll be early to rise and you'll stay up late and it'll never be enough. It'll be in vain unless the Lord. Friend, God is for you. He is not against you. In fact, he's as close as the mention of his name. And so right now, we're going to take these closing moments and and we're going to just go back into a a song of worship. And and as we worship the Lord, I want you to know what's happening right now. We are praying for you. Our church family is praying for you. You may be a part of our church family and you say, man, I I need prayer today. I want to encourage you. Put it in the chat. Put it in the comments right now. The Bible says this, Jesus or the word of the Lord says, call upon me in Jeremiah 33 and 3. And I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. And I believe God wants to do that for you today. He wants to show you something great. He wants to show you something mighty. But you got to call on him. You got to call on him. So we're here to pray for you right now. God, God is working. God is building his kingdom. Each and every week, we're hearing testimonies of what God is doing. Aren't you thankful that God's not limited? 
by your proximity right now. You don't have to get up out of one of these chairs that I'm looking at. You don't have to walk down to this altar. You can call on God right where you're at. And he is as close as the mention of his name. He's good and he's for you. So I want to invite you right now. Let's take some time and let's just seek the Lord in prayer together. Come on, call on him with us.